You're listening to keynote speeches from our Melbourne Podcasters live event series. These are recorded live at the event and feature the best podcast professionals in Australia who reveal the craft and techniques of creating a successful show. My name is Adam Jaffrey. I am the strategy director at Wavelength Creative, and we run these events and produce the podcast. Today's topic is titled Podcasting Mistakes, How to Get the Fundamentals Right, featuring our keynote speaker, Corey Layton, who is the content and marketing director at Wooshka. Tonight, we're talking about the fundamentals of podcasting, and we have three main topics sitting underneath that. The first is common mistakes to avoid with your podcast. The second is how to package a show for maximum impact. And the third is promotion 101, you know, what works with marketing and what doesn't. And I want to kick off by asking you, what are some of the common mistakes that you see people make when they're producing a show for the first time? I'm going to start off with sound. People just use microphones or their mobile phone and just go yeah it's audio it's easy i think when you think about all the great podcast content that's out there 550,000 active podcasts every month there is so much great content and if your podcast sounds ordinary forget about the actual subject matter just the pure sound if it's hard on the ear and you've really got to kind of try and lean in and work it out, you're out of there. There's no point staying with your podcast. So yes, I think when you're starting out, what I'm suggesting is invest in gear and that's not always easy. So think about your mates, think about who can help you, try and and borrow. But the thought of I'll just record it Uh, with my phone and also in a really echoey room or in a cafe or any of those things that can really jar and make it hard to hear, that would be an absolute fundamental to think about. You probably only need maybe like $300 to get started in terms of equipment if it's just you interviewing people over Skype or Zoom or, or whatever the case may be to get a good microphone that you know can plug in via USB. But what is probably more important is what you spoke about secondly there, which is the environment you're in. You could have a $10,000 setup and be in a crappy room and get bad sound. But you can get quite good sound from a a reasonable microphone if you're in a good environment. And so, you know, um, focusing on, you know, recording in a space that, I mean, like your living room or bedroom is often quite good because it's got things, you know, lots of soft things like bed and couches. If you're lucky enough to have a walk-in wardrobe, go there. Yeah. Well, I hear lots of people um, actually record under the under the bed. They, they chuck the doona over their head and record because that kind of blocks out all the, the sounds and echoes. I've tried that once before. It got really hot. Uh, and so <laughs> I wouldn't recommend that for a summer activity. But and there are some good DIY YouTube videos. Go check it out where you kind of build this foam box to talk into almost like a briefcase or just literally a box. Um, those sorts of things are just worth investing your time and art and craft skills in. I don't have any of those things. <laughs> All right. So that's that's one of the, the top three mistakes. What is another mistake you see people make? Editing. There are lots of people who just go, All right, let's chat, record. Chat, 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 chat. And now and twenty minutes later, stop, upload. And 
there is no thought to the story that you're putting together, to the moments that aren't all that interesting, and there's no respect ultimately for your listener and who they are and the time that they're going to put into it. Before anyone presses play on a podcast, they look at the runtime. And if the runtime is too long to devote to that subject, they won't even hear the first five seconds, let alone second. And so thinking about is the quality of this content high enough to result in that runtime, whatever that may be, is something you should think about. So always edit, edit, edit. And, and I think to that point, if you have a um, one of those really honest, trusting friends, they're the great people to play it to and say, just tell me when you're bored or tell me when you think about something else. And those are probably the moments that you should then go and cut and refine and refine again. I mean, it's not to say that um, you should be trying to make the shortest show possible um, because, you know, you, you might be losing out on some valuable content. And this gets down to a question that gets asked all the time, which is how long should your show be? It's probably the number one asked question after what and, microphone should I use? And what's the number one answer? Uh, the number one answer is as long as it needs to be and not a minute longer. As long as it needs to be to communicate your message. As long as it needs to be to keep the audience entertained. So cut it down as much as you can and remove all the fluff and whatever. A good phrase I like to use is all killer, no filler. All killer, no filler is a great methodology to have when you're editing your show. Make sure there's value. And I, I, I really love what you said. Have respect for your, for your audience. And then the last one, what is the other um, mistake you see people make? So most people make up their minds if they're going to remain listening to your show in the first minute or two. And there's a lot of podcasts where it's the two-minute mark and I've heard 20 seconds, 30 seconds of music and I've heard a, hey, how are you, chat, 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 chat. And it's about two minutes when you start to get into it. By then, most people are gone. And so use that first two minutes. In fact, that's probably the bit you should overthink. How do you hook people in? What are you going to give them throughout the episode? Think about those hooks and think about removing the normal how how are you, today's show, those kinds of formulaic moments. They're just not needed. Get straight to the point and give people what they're there for so they remain one methodology we use when we produce shows is we try and get to the main interview content as quick as possible. There's a little bit of setup you sometimes need to do. Hey, today we're speaking to this guest or hey, today we're covering this topic, but we don't say, hey, Corey, how's your weekend? Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. I went out. And, um, yeah, it was uh, and saw uh, that new movie that's out. Oh, how was it? Yeah, it's like, I'm bored. I'm like, I'm here to listen to content about, you know, the, the, the top podcasting lessons, not what you saw, what movie you saw on the weekend. Can I add a fourth fundamental? Oh, it's, it's just this become, wasn't on the sheet. No, I know. <laughs> I know. Sorry. This has just become a, a bugbear of mine is when people go, when they give references to time this week, last week, Saturday, grand final New Year's and there's a lot of and on next week's show da 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 but really the chances of the, the amount of people listening to your show in real time as in the day it comes out when next week is valid is low so chances are there'll be a, a whole bank of stuff that's there so remove those references or at least make them evergreen and sometimes we will do a throw forward or a throwback to content that we've produced previously or that we know is coming up or we'll say on our next episode rather than on next week's show so exactly. that's a good way to get around it 
there's a lot to think about when you are starting a podcast for the first time, or even if you're already producing a show, there's still a lot to think about in terms of the fundamentals and getting them right. And uh, there's a lot of kind of levers you have to pull. And we talked about a few mistakes there. When you're, when you're launching a show for the first time though, do you think that you can launch a show kind of in, in a bit of a work in progress state and improve it as you go on? Or should you spend a bit of time working to get things right from the beginning? Definitely the latter. And the reason is, is think about a TV show that you're excited to watch, you've heard about, and you go, great, I'm going to try this. If you try it and it's no good, you won't go back, no matter what happens. And it only takes one person sampling one podcast episode to, to chime in. If they don't like it, they're not going to come back. And so by all means, especially if it's your first go, it, you can't have the perfect first episode and there's a bit of just ship it, get the thing out. But equally, if, if it's not up to scratch, just keep polishing it and getting it right because you do only get one chance to have that person hook in and then return for the second episode and so on and so on. Yeah, you only get one chance at a first impression. In saying that though, how long should you spend polishing that episode before you launch? You know, I mean, I think probably everyone in this room could do with polishing all of their content a little bit more. We could all do with like one more edit or one more tweaking totally. of whatever. So like how long the, is it? And, and there, there comes a moment. I think it changes. So there are a lot of people that are going to produce topical content where you're referencing something from this week that's happened. If you're going down that that road and we've we've worked on a few shows that are like this and topical where we we do rehearsals like actual dress rehearsals where you talk about x topic for one two three weeks refine 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 and then you going live on show four for instance if it's less topical and it's more evergreen in whatever that content is look at the end of the day it's going to come down to time and budget they're two restrictions that you can't work around but I think the more people in your trusted world you can play it to to get it right and refine it the better the recommendation I would give is that there's a balance you have to have between like you know you need to launch a show and um, and and learn because you the only way to learn is actually by doing and so there's there's some sort of a limit where you go all right well I've I've done enough that I can do within my personal skill level that I currently have so you don't want to be sitting on it on it for a year um but but don't record today and release tomorrow um so you know spend a bit of time editing and learning how to you know mix and put some music behind things and and whatever is there a single mistake that you hear people make all the time look episode titles is is one thing and I think even podcast titles is is another people can get a bit too tricky um, and too clever. And often it's easier just to say what's on the tin. I don't think dumb it down to the lowest common denominator. But if if you're not helping guide people in, please press play on this. This is what you will learn, understand, experience by doing it. Then you're not doing yourself justice to just keep breaking down those barriers of, of drawing people in. It's been spoken of how often using in an episode title a question often pulls more people in because you, you're posing what is this this thing that you've always wanted to know. And so a, a question quite often has, has been seen to, to work strongly, but equally podcast titles help people know what it is when you talk about it so it doesn't need a follow-up. It's about da-da-da-da-da. 
I've seen so many times people trying to be a bit too fancy with a show title. It's kind of like very abstract. They're trying to put a pun into it and it's like, oh, it's a joke. I get it. It's funny. And what that really is, is just a barrier for people to engage with your show. It's like a little bit too clever sometimes. I think at some base level, we all love love a good pun. But when... It is unclear what the show is about from, you know, a quick glance at some cover artwork and a show title that is prohibiting people from, I mean, you may have done a big job to get them to find your show. And then in that split second moment that they've gone, "Uh, I don't get it and move on because people's lives are busy and they, you know, unless the value is clear and immediate, then then they won't engage. Let's now dig into how to package your show. What does that include? Packaging for a podcast for me includes everything that you can't hear. Um, So everything that you can see and all the avenues that you interact with on your way to that podcast. I guess there's also an argument for packaging being what is the, the tone and the sound of the show. Let's go with the first to start with. I think there's quite a few elements of like non-sound related packaging, right? Well, what are the visual? What are the what are the metadata? What are all those kinds of things? Yeah, cover art annoys me often when people don't get cover art right. People judge podcasts by their cover. Unfortunately, it's a thing. And often you'll find people go, okay, audio's ready. Oh, I need a piece of cover art. And it's that last step. And it really shouldn't be. If your cover art's no good, people won't even press play. They won't get to the audio. So when you're designing cover art, um, perhaps take a screenshot of, of the store and all the podcasts you hope to be amongst. Put your artwork there and see, does it actually stand out? Is it engaging? Will it draw people in? Think about all the different sizes that all the, the random apps may, may reduce your podcast art down to and make sure that your artwork still works in all those small spaces, which then leads to font and how busy is your artwork and all those elements need to be taken into place. Yeah, cool. So there's a couple of other packaging things that I want to get to in a minute, but let's let's drill into artwork for just a sec here. And no mic- microphones or headphones or sound waves. So <laughs> none. That's what I was gonna. That's what I was gonna get to, right? So why? I get it's a podcast. Yeah. Like, why do we need a microphone on the artwork of a podcast? We know that they use a microphone to listen to, to, to record, and we know that we use headphones to listen to it. Um, it's it's not necessary to include that information. Correct, and the same in the show title. Uh, don't say. The something something podcast. It's obvious. Also avoid the word the before you get to the word podcast. The da, 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 da. there's so many of those shows. Why is that? I think just because when you when you think about listing and search, if your podcast starts with the word the, so do lots of others. So you're still not refining your search results by the time you type in the. But if you were typing in something else, you do refine it faster. And this is probably something that not many people are aware of. But when you search um, for a podcast in Apple Podcasts, the, the search terms you use, if there's no kind of like clear hard match for that show, it will soft match partial term search phrases. So the word the and the word podcast, if you use both of those, the dog podcast, it's going to soft match the word the against a whole bunch of shows that use the word the, the word dog against a whole bunch of shows that use dog and the word podcast against, you know, the, the you know, 500,000 podcasts that use the word the podcast. And so people may not even find your show if they search the exact phrase. Um, so you're better off having a show that, you know, has a really clear 
couple of words that are not using these like really common phrases. So yeah, we talked about packaging and not using microphones in your podcast cover artwork, um, headphones, sound waves. What are some other things with podcast artwork that are really crucial to include or to, to avoid? Yeah. So, so, so what else do we need to be thinking about? You know, color schemes, how busy things are, fonts, all that kind of stuff. It's all of that stuff. So I think, uh, serial is often upheld as a great piece of cover art because it, it's just simple. Does it really, um, lead into what the series is about? Probably not, but it does a really, really good job. But I think since then podcast cover art has come a long way. The team at Apple like Moonshots, um, podcast cover artwork, which is, is just beautiful. And you can see the design and the time that has gone into that, um, and and thinking about artwork that remains with people and in their head, I, I think is is the key. Something that is well designed and 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 visually interesting. Something that's not too busy, so there's not too many visual elements that kind of make it difficult to read the text. And while we're on the point of text, make sure the text is really big. You know, you should be using the full width of um of of the artwork to to um to to explain what the show is. And if you're working for a, a brand or a business, if that's what you represent. Remove the logo. Don't just go, oh, it's a brand thing. I've got to put my my company's logo in. Again, it's just another barrier where someone goes, I'm into podcasts on dogs. Well, let's go on the dog theme. Um, and so there is the dog brand, be it the vet or the dog food or whatever company you work for. Um, either I listen to that or something that's not from a brand. I don't feel like I'm going to be sold to if there's a brand on the front page so if you can remove it what are some other areas of like metadata uh that that comprises packaging things like you know the description we talked about episode titles a little bit there already but like what are the other keywords and tags are important but they're going to become increasingly important so google have have recently announced they're coming into this space in, in a big way and so if you're into dogs Sure. Um, And This American Life had a great episode on dogs. You're never, as a listener, going to furrow through This American Life to try and find the dog episode. But if you were to search one day for dog podcasts or be able to ask your smart speaker to play me the top dog podcast episodes, if your episode isn't tagged up correctly, that episode's never going to surface. So think about the future and add those tags in to ensure that it future-proofs your content so it can be surfaced. In most host providers, there is a, a keyword section where you can add some, some tags. Also, just in your, your podcast description, be careful. Apple have quite recently started removing podcasts that overuse keywords and just litter it with stuff. But it's important that you're clear and concise that it's this guest or it's this topic. And here are the key bits to ensure that a Google search would be able to pull out this is what it's about and filter it to the top. There's been a lot in the podcast industry news recently about Apple taking down shows out of Apple podcasts that are keyword spamming. And particularly keyword spamming in the title field of the show and also the author tag of the show. So they might say the dog podcast and then put a little dash and say pet tips 
dog food, best um, cleaning, blah, 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 walking dog, you know, and put a whole bunch of stuff after the actual show name. And the show is called, you know, dog, Our Dogs Weekly or something. The, the other way that we see this happening is in the author field. So it will be, you know, the, the Dog Weekly Show by Corey Layton. If you're spamming, you would say Corey Layton, who speaks dog to... Whisperer. Dog Whisperer. Who speaks to dog experts like... The guy from Harry's Practice and Dr. Chris Brown and blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. And you're just like littering in people who you may not have even interviewed on the show, but you're just trying to rank for those keywords. The thing to take note of is as of probably about a month ago, Apple have started pulling shows out of Apple podcasts without warning, not even even telling people um, in advance who are spamming these fields. And so the advice um, that we're seeing across the industry is your author name should be you as an author and your show name should be what the show is about because um, otherwise you're just basically trying to game the system and uh, you know you know it we know it and Apple unfortunately also knows it so final thing I want to touch on with regards to packaging which is something you touched on earlier Corey the kind of packaging with regards to sound the the intro to your show the music you use all that kind of stuff comprises of that what should we be thinking about when it comes to packaging our podcast in the realm of sound? I think all podcasts need to establish a tone and a feel because music helps add an emotion, whatever emotion it is that you're after, and helps set the scene. Uh, For some podcasts, less so than others, there's no point just having 15 seconds of music just because there's probably no point having 15 seconds of music in a lot of sequences. In some, um, there is value to it. If you can afford to compose music, amazing. Um, What music composition will give you is what's referred to as stems. So just the drum, just the piano, just the guitar, and your ability to use all of those elements to create stings, to place in between moments, or use the same song in different feels throughout each episode can really ad now what i'm talking about is not applicable to all podcasts it's really there for for those that have the time and and music can be really important to add to the emotion so if you you can definitely think about it but i think the main tip is um if you're going to use your music make sure you go about it the right way so so don't just like grab drake's latest song and chuck it as your like show intro um, because you're going to get a, a really strongly worded letter from um, some big music company like Universal or whatever saying, hey, uh, US like $2,000 because you've been using this in an, in an unauthorized fashion. Just because it's a podcast doesn't mean it's like free, free reign with music. Yeah, licensing and publishing is a thing. It's really expensive, especially because podcasts are global and therefore you're talking about licensing and publishing worldwide you also don't know how long your podcast goes up for so then you go worldwide and in perpetuity and that costs a load of cash like i mean if we wanted to like license drake's latest track for our podcast like what type of like numbers are we talking it's not like a couple hundred dollars right no it's significantly more. like it's like over a hundred thousand dollars if you can get in and have the conversation right <laughs> and so like um when the lawyers come knocking if you've used that unauthorized that's going to be a really difficult conversation to have but the good news is there's some really great music repositories and, and websites that you can go to epidemic sound is one pond five audio is another jungle, one audio jungle Freeman is great. beat there's heaps Gemendo. 
There's a lot. So And so you can pay like maybe $100 a year and get access to their entire library or you can buy per track. And so we've done both of those in the past and, and you get some really great results. Maybe it cost you $20, maybe it cost you $50. It's worth investing in um, to get a song that, you know, um, will kind of represent your brand. Totally. That, not all of those sites give you the work parts. Some of them offer loops. And so using a site where even if you just get some loops, so it's the full song and here's a 10 second version of it and here's a five second version of it, is worth it. I just want to clarify for people who are maybe new to this. The reason you want a loop is if you're using that track as kind of like a music bed for your intro, when you're kind of introducing the guest of your podcast, sometimes your introduction is like a minute, sometimes it's 30 seconds. And so the tracks that you buy sometimes aren't the exact length that you need. And so getting those loops allows you to essentially loop the song as many times as you need um, to be able to to do the, the length of whatever you're saying. And then you can transition into something else. I wanted to talk about Apple Analytics, which are really valuable and and I think a lot of people don't even know they exist. And that's because no matter who your host provider is, uh, Apple don't currently provide those analytics to your host provider. And so if you've got a podcast, you'll have access to this thing called Apple Podcast Connect. You should log into it and you should have a look at your analytics. For me, the only valuable analytic in there is your time spent listening. And what that will help you understand is, is your podcast too long or is your audience really engaged till the end? And then you go, maybe I could add in something or maybe you do a certain segment every week. You'll start to see if people are skipping that one segment that you think is really funny. Actually, maybe it's not. And so time spent listening, albeit it's a portion of your audience, it's not a true sample of where everyone's listening from from all places, to be able to see the time spent listening and look at a graph of an episode and actually see where did people get bored will help you consider what future guests you may or may not choose to select or what future stories you may or may not tell. And I think a lot of people don't even know they exist and it's an important factor that can help for future episodes. I love that. That's a great tip. So let's delve into our last topic, which is promotion 101. What works? What doesn't? So the first question I have for you, Corey, is in what ways might people be promoting their podcast wrong? Not being really clear to the average person that probably has never listened to a podcast before about how to find it and press play and use words like subscribe, which if you haven't heard Adam's rant on subscription from OzPod, find it online and listen to it. Um, The word subscribe is used with services that you often pay for. Don't use it in podcasts. The word listen is just a, a, a great substitute. But when you're telling people how to listen to the podcast, be really clear with your call to action. Test it on your folks. See if they can work it out. Uh, lots of people just use the Apple podcast link as their, their way through. But lots of people, in fact, more people in this country than uh, have Android phones than they do iPhones. And lots of people don't even think about how to get them to listen to it. So you can either get quite tricky on social media where you create different calls to action for different people's devices where the the post is is aware of the device that they're on and pushes them straight to Google or, or Apple. 
primarily. Uh, or you can think about setting up your own website. So regardless of what medium you're talking about, your podcast, you're pushing someone to that same site, which should just have a really simple call to action above the fold. Click here. And even better to go one step further, make your website device aware. Make it, if you're looking at it on a, an iOS or an Apple device, it only sends you to Apple versus giving you lots of choices because people don't need choice. They just need get me there in the least amount of clicks and the easiest possible way. You mentioned social media there, Corey. Do you think someone promoting their podcast needs to be on every social media platform or should they choose a, a few in particular that work? What's your opinion on that? Oh, look, I think being on every social platform, there comes a point where you're just like, how many times can I rewrite this same thing for lots of different mediums? You've you got to draw a line. You do need to think about what are the platforms that work best for you. And if, if you are lucky enough to have money to put behind amplification, think about how how that platform can work best for you. So LinkedIn, for example, if you're just after people in the veterinary space to target your dog podcast, um, on LinkedIn, you can target just vets. And therefore, it's a perfect medium to, to, to get to them, though you debate how many vets actually are on LinkedIn. Um, that aside. So yeah, I, I would think about that. And also, how do you hook them in? Is it text? Is it images? Is it video? Uh, Wondery in particular are doing some really exceptional work at the moment. Wondery are a podcast production company in, in the US um, responsible for shows like Dirty John. Whenever they release a, a new podcast, they put together a, just a, a beautiful animation where they take effectively the trailer for the show and they animate it, and it's a great visual way to hook people in on social. Again, with that key call to action, click here, this one link that will take you straight there. All right, let's let's run on this tangent for a second here. Um, the, the format of content that you're pushing out um, across social media, you mentioned the Wondery example there, but what's the best way to promote audio on places like Facebook and LinkedIn and Twitter? Like, it's, it's quite difficult to... These are very visual spaces, they are. And, and so, so we've just been working with Facebook on their podcast series. And from that work, I think video is a, is a key way to pull people in, in, in whatever way that, that comes about. Because social, really, video works so, so strongly. Yes, there's ways to embed audio, but uh, I think audiences aren't used to listening to audio in social. In fact, most people are happier to consume a video mute and read the subtitles than actually turn the sound on. And so I think knowing that, how visual it is, video is a really strong way to pull people in. 80% of people who watch videos on social media are watching it with the sound off. You know, four in five people are not listening to the sound when they're watching videos. They're kind of scrolling through their feed. They'll see something. And if you run a Facebook page yourself um, for, you know, a place that you work or, or something that you do um, as, as a hobby and you look at the video stats, it will it will show you that um, and it will... It's, it's astounding. And so you need to not only think about uh, how to display that information in, in a visual way, but, but also make it truly compelling to try and get people to actually want to engage, right? Uh, so using things like um, audiograms is, is, uh, is kind of the industry term for this, where you take a, uh, a little sound clip, maybe it's you know a minute or so, and you convert it into something with a, a little waveform that's kind of jumping around. So you can kind of tell that um, there's some audio there that you're not hearing. There's 
kind of a compelling picture in the background. Maybe it's the the a picture of the person who's speaking. Maybe it's some sort of visuals representing what they're speaking about, and subtitles. To, to, to capture that 8 out of 10 people who are not listening to the audio and the video. So I think that's a really key tip and, and something to, to keep in mind. And audiograms is uh, something that, that works quite well and we've seen it work quite well on the campaigns that we've worked on. What I would like to try actually is to use some live action video and see how that goes. Um, what do you mean? So actually filming parts of a podcast if you're if you're if you're doing a um, an interview show um, as many of the people in this room would be doing perhaps actually recording the Skype video or the zoom um, video call and and putting kind of the talking heads um, as part of the, the the promotion piece rather than just this kind of audiogram with this waveform and and, uh, and and some subtitles I'd like to see how that performs one against the other um, or if you're doing something a bit more professionally like I know that you and I do, actually having like a, a proper camera set up when you're in the studio and having, you know, I mean, Joe Rogan does a great job with this. He videos his podcast, right? And so he releases all these episodes on YouTube as well, um, which is why, you know, Elon Musk smoking a joint went viral because it was, uh, because it was this video everywhere and, and, and it was hilarious. Uh, so that, that kind of live action video of people in a studio or talking to a camera or something I'd like to see how that performs against an audiogram. Absolutely. I think equally for a lot of people, video can feel daunting. And so then you kind of go, well, what is the next step um, and what else can you achieve? I think whatever podcast you're making, there will be influential people who anyone that loves your show will, will be a fan of. And if you think about, well, how can I get to the most famous people in whatever genre I'm operating in. If it's dogs, yours is clearly Dr. Harry. Mine would be Katrina Warren. You get to that person and 80s reference, 90s. Um, you, you get to that person and you see how can they refer to the podcast on social and help spread the word amongst their fan base to get people to tune in. So beyond social media, what are some other ways that particularly indie podcasters, you know, because I, mean, I know that you and I work with brands a lot, but um, we have, you know, marketing budgets that we can spend and, you know, institutional resources we can throw behind a show. But if you're an independent producer, um, what are some other ways that you might think about growing a show? It always comes down to owned, earned and paid. So you start with owned and you think about, well, what are the channels that I own? What are the platforms that I own? Be it a website, a newsletter, social media, a bunch of mates, whatever it is, how can I get them to be engaged and spread the word? Earned is, a, is really about PR. Who, what are the publications? What are the websites I want to write about it? Uh, what are even like, if you really want to furrow into social media forums and communities where people chat about this stuff and you, you can share it, share it there and, and hopefully build a fan base around people that are already engaged in that topic. And then of course there's paid, um, which is about Social um, is about search engine optimization. Think about um, what what we would refer to as tentpole shows. What are the shows that you can hang your hat on that aren't going to be every episode, but every few episodes there's a, a key story, there's a key moment, there's a key guest. And then think about, well, around that, how can I do everything I did for episode one again and keep building the momentum behind the audience. The final question I want to ask, Corey, is promoting your show by being a podcast guest. 
on other shows. So this is something that, you know, uh, a lot of people do, but do you have any thoughts and tips and resources around, you know, how people might go about that? Absolutely. Uh, Cross-promotion is a thing and it works. Uh, Think about what are those other like-minded shows that are around, but equally, it's difficult to just go, hey, I'm starting out, can I be a guest on your show? Because they might go, yeah, but what are you giving me in return? So think about what it is that you have that's of value that you can offer them back, which is, which is a key element. How do you go about it? Um, I think, look, people that get into podcasts there's there's a, an air of vanity they want to get their stuff out there so stroking their ego and appealing to their ego in going i love your show is worthwhile equally there's some people that get bombarded with i love your show and they go yeah really which episode what was it uh and they can they can unpick you quite quickly for your spammy email that you're bombarding them with so find reasons to go it's this bit that I that really appeals to me, and um, I'd love to chat to you about it and and find ways. Could they be a guest on your show? Is one way. We're going to open the floor to some audience questions. So I saw some hands before. I'm going to get up the back to Andy. Corey, I'd love to hear your perspectives on things like SpeakPipe, which is the interactive um, widget or whatever you put on your website, so you, so listeners can ask a question and I'm referring to a particular podcast called Akimbo done by Seth Godin and he answers questions from listeners in part of his podcast and they obviously communicate to him through SpeakPipe and it's it sort of opens up interactivity in the podcast world and I'm, I'm thinking of going there would love to hear your perspective on that do you have any stories about managing interactivity and that sort of thing Using platforms like that can be a great way to uncover stories. Um, When you think about guests for podcasts, the moment you hear them speak and you hear how eloquent they are or you hear how they um, articulate themselves, their tone, do they have a really thick accent, to really actually a good way to screen quickly and get to hear people before you decide actually there could be something in here so without even putting them to air it's a great feedback mechanic where yes you'd need to find why am I encouraging people to leave a message you you need to find a a reason to make people feel like they should but it's a great screener Um, secondly it's a great way to to spark conversation in your podcast they pose x question and discuss and and i I think it's also just a, a good way to uncover these are the people that you want to reach out to and hear more from and maybe not use that audio but use it as a lead to hey i heard your story I'd really like to get in touch with you and and discuss it further, of which you may use their grab towards the start and then eke it out as to this is what grabbed you. But yeah, I, I think for certain formats, they're really valuable. It's about building habit. So episode one, no one's leaving a message. Corey, thank you very much for coming along. Thanks for having me. This was wonderful. Thank you. Thanks.